So Fallon, you trade on eBay, you're trading some horses. At what, where are we now? How old are you now at this particular point when this is coming to an end? I would say 24, 25. And you're wanting to go run again. <clears throat> I'm wanting to go do the deal. Yeah. Um, now, you had a little break there for a while, correct? Where you yes. weren't really rodeoing for probably, what, four-year break? About four or five years. And, and you felt the urge coming back, the eye of the tiger? What's I did. I started training horses for people, and this, this little itch was in the back of my mind. And I think this is really important. I think that God sends you a, a pebble, and then mm -hmm. he sends you a boulder mm -hmm. of, like, Go do what you want to do mm -hmm. because if you don't, you're going to be stuck in your own prison. Yep. You're going to have we're going to have regrets and failure either way if mm -hmm. you choose safe or you choose That's what you a want. Good point. So you might as well go after what you want mm -hmm. because you're going to look like a jerk either way. It does, That's you know, you've got to yes. go do it. Yes. So I'm training horses for other people at this point a little bit. Doing and my get, eBay yeah, and thing. And you kind of getting a taste of the public. And you don't like it. Let's I, just be honest. I don't love it. And I don't. I didn't either. Right. You got it. You got a case to some crazy horse ladies. Right. And and the backlash and the lack of accountability. And you're not. You're not digging it. I, I don't love it. Nobody yeah. fucking does, mind right. you. <laughs> Any fucking person tells you they love it's a lion sack of dog shit. Absolutely. Yes. It's 2009, mm -hmm. and I kind of decided I would play it safe. First time in my life that I ever was like, you know what? I'm making okay money. I think I'll just take the, the whippings as I go. I really, I, it's kind of comfortable. Mm -hmm. And um, I was training a horse that night, about 10 p.m., August 2009, and I break my neck. Oh, I get bucked off. Breaks all the bones on this side of my face, collarbone. Hit the ground, hit the fence. Pelvis. I, I rode him for a while. Um, what's funny is it was like a, um, a natural horsemanship's demonstration horse or something that somebody <laughs> sent me. This thing tried to kill me. Yeah, yeah. And it breaks all the bones in my face and I stick with him and we keep going. I'm laughing. I think it's hilarious. And mm. we get halfway around and I kind of pick a place to land. And when I do, I decide, oh, I'm going to jump off. Never do that. Mm. We learned. Um, but I go to jump off and he kicks the bottom of my feet, sends me about 13 feet in the air. I do a somersault. I land straight down on my neck. Boom, um, broke my neck and I was paralyzed right You're there. Shitting me. So, um, you know, it was a bad day at the office, yeah. but I, I've always been um, pretty tenacious. Mm -hmm. So I had people working for me that were present when I was riding and um, thank God for them. And one girl was dating a paramedic and he goes, You just broke your neck. And I was like, I mean, maybe I did, but if you could just get me to the hospital, I'm not paying for an ambulance ride. Like, so just get me to the hospital. And I was like, and Hooters is in Denton right next to the hospital and it closes at 10. So let's go in, tell them I've got a concussion. Yeah. Let's run through the mill of it yeah. and then let's get out. Yeah. On the way to the hospital, um, that paramedic had called and gotten clearance to have um, a police escort, which I didn't know until mm. later. And I was having to have my face held together because I was projectile vomiting from the pain of my, uh, my uh, this bone, occipital bone or yeah. whatever it is, being shattered. Um, so as I was, you know, being held, my face was being held together, we got to the hospital and the lady at the front desk, um, she'll never forget me, I don't think, but she came out and they were like, we need a gurney to take this lady in. And I started making jokes with her mm. and she was like, well, you're obviously not hurt that bad because, mm. you know, you wouldn't be cracking jokes. And I was like, well, you know, there's different people mm. in the planet. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to get through this, whatever it is. Mm. And we get inside. And I'm joking with the doctor and all of it, you know, he puts me in the MRI machine. And then he comes back out and he puts me in the MRI machine again and comes back in. He had tears in his eyes because we had a good visit. Mm. And he comes back in and he was like, you're going to have to go get on a helicopter. It's running. It's on the roof. 
and you got to take a 13 minute flight and like, you know, I'll be praying for you. You broke your C2. And, and can you feel your legs at this point? You still think you're paralyzed? I think I'm okay. Oh, you can feel something. Now. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I think I'm okay. okay. I was definitely not okay. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I really hadn't tried much because I'm strapped down. Yeah, good point. So I'm like, I'm all right. I mean, yeah. I could get up yeah. was my mindset was like, I can get up. It's mm -hmm. fine. Um, when I got to the next hospital, it was pretty funny because I'm laying there and a, a, a bum breaks into the hospital and is trying to steal prescription meds oh, with a totally. knife. Yeah. And he's like breaking in and cops are running through. And I was like, I'll be damned. I'm going to die <laughs> of a stab wound from a bum. <laughs> On I was drugs. supposed to be dying from this broken <laughs> neck thing. So it was an interesting night. Um, and I'm, I'm in there just like, this, this really sucks. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. My parents were on vacation with their grandkids, um, my sister's children. Mm. And I was like, well, I'm not going to call them yet because I think I can probably find a way out of this situation. I think I'll be fine. Mm. And um, I went to the hospital. I got in there and they put a halo on me. Mm -hmm. They shaved my head and mm -hmm. they put the rods in yeah. here and here. And, um, you know, they just gave me really grim news. At that point, I could move my arms, couldn't mm. move my legs, but they just told me, you know, you'll do your best. It's a hangman's fracture. So it's, it's the bone that controls left to right. Um, mm. It's how you kill someone. You right, know, when you hang right. someone, that's what you break is yep. C2. Um, it still moves me a lot when I see people that have broken their C2 that are bound to a wheelchair and, mm, mm, you know, mm. have a mouth tube and they're, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's tough to watch. And, you know, imposter sim syndrome from time to time will creep up mm -hmm. where you're like, damn, yeah, I'm here for a reason. Yeah, you got lucky, yeah. <coughs> so you have surgery, you go to hospital. So they put the halo on me and I really thought that I could muscle beyond it. Mm. And my dad has told me my whole life, he's got this superstition about hospitals. He said, you'll die in a hospital. If you get in a hospital, get out, mm -hmm. whatever you gotta do. There was this incredible nurse and I wish that I knew her name and I badgered her and I said, I got to get out of here. I'm going to die. Mm. Like I'm going to die in a hospital. My dad told me my whole life I'm going to mm. die in here. She was like, well, if I try to teach you how to walk, you know, and you fall, mm. you could die because this is very mm. serious. And I just kept telling her, I said, if you will help me learn how to walk, I'm going to bring you flowers. Mm. Mm. I'm going to walk back in. I, I was making her all these like mm. barters to help yeah. me. And finally, she decided to help me. It's midnight. It was late. It was on the third day. And she was like, all right, I'm going to help you. I'm done. I'm done with you. So let's do it. And she strung me from the ceiling, you know, the like mm. crane pulley thing. And she said, you're going to fall down. And if you fall down a certain way, like you could die, I could lose my job, whatever. Mm. So you're going to have to do what you said you would do. Mm, mm. And so slowly, one step at a time, one foot in front of the other, falling down every you know couple of mm. steps, she helped me. <clears throat> I was able to walk that night. Mm. I walked out of the hospital the next morning. Mm. I was told I shouldn't. I called my mom and dad and I told them I was in a fender bender, just a small horse accident, <laughs> small little horse accident. Um, I happened to break my neck, but I'm walking. Mm -hmm. And if you could come get me, that'd be great. That's so, awesome. so they came and got me and, um, you know, they helped me to like try to rehab as much as I can. When you break your neck, they don't do much for you besides tell you that you're an idiot that rides horses and you yeah. probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of all they do. So how long did it take you to recover from that to full? I had to wear the, well, I was supposed to wear the halo for a year and I wore it for about six months. Yes, <coughs> it, it, that's a big pain in the ass, that halo thing, yes. Halo's yeah. awful. Yes, it is and awful. You have to come. you have to come in for a psyche eval every week because they're worried that you're gonna get suicidal because you can't sleep. Yes. 
So it was interesting. My, my neurosurgeon went out of town, so I knew I could go in and work this new guy. Mm. So I had my mom take me to the hospital, and I told the new guy while the other guy was out of town that he had instructed that this thing come off. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. need this off. He said, mm. at this date, I need it off. He was like, well, I can't get him on the phone or whatever. And I was like, hey, I'll sign whatever you need me to sign, but this thing's got to come off. Yeah. And he took it off of me. They put the C collar on me. And I went to riding that day. I mean, I, mm. I went back at it right away, but I was, I understood from that whole scenario of- Yeah, what'd you learn from that whole fuck up? Why are you being mediocre? Mm -hmm. You could have died right then. Mm -hmm. You could have, that would have been it. And you died mediocre right after you had made up your mind to settle. Yes. And that would have just been it. Yes. But now you're here. Mm -hmm. So now that you've had time to reflect and you've been on your ass for six months, and you've had to overcome a lot harder things than the general public or what people think yes. of you or whatever else. The level has been raised. You've learned how to walk for the second time in your life. Yes. As an adult, you're broke. You've got nothing. Mm -hmm. Now you're having to manage all these horses while from a lawn chair mm -hmm. because I can't ride mm -hmm. anything. Had this beautiful ranch trying yeah. to figure my way out. Yeah. Had to sell the ranch. Yeah. Had to fi find a new place. Mm -hmm. Had to figure it out. What are you going to do? Yeah. You're just going to break your neck and then and then settle again? Yes. So I yes. just figured, you know, a little bit of an awakening. Yes. Go after the a big good, thing. A good kick in the ass. Good kick in the ass. If, you know. There, there's, a, there's a clip that I did on the Gage podcast where, where it went viral and I said, the world is full of average motherfucking people. Don't be average. If you're going to jerk off, be the best fucking jerking off world championship in the world. If you eat pussy, eat the best pussy in the world. Do what, Whatever the fuck you do, Just do, do it. Do it. To the best yeah. you are. That doesn't mean you'll be the best in the world, but the best what you are. Yes, I, I absolutely agree with this. Yes, very much. See, the last three years I've been partying and kind of fucking off. You know, I retired and I was so burnt out on working and exhausted and mentally done with the fucking public that I kind of fucked off the last three years. And now I feel the eye of a tiger coming back. I, I feel like I want to kick somebody's ass again. So I'm back in the barn early. I'm staying late, six, seven days a week. I'm not there yet, but I'm fucking coming. Because I feel the old Clint Anderson coming back. I thought I could party the rest of my life out because that's what I want to do is just fuck off. And, but I did three years of it and I was bored. Right. Does that make sense? Then I you got bored. Right back to red. I got bored. I got complacent. I was <clears> like, "What the fuck am I gonna do?" So, you know what I mean. The only difference now is with a little maturity and, and being older, is I balance it just a tad bit better. Instead of doing 16 hours, like I get to the barn at 8 a.m. and I leave at 6 p.m. They're my hours, and I'll do that six days a week. It took me a long time to if learn I can't, that. If I can't figure it out, now I get up at 4.30, go to the gym, walk, exercise, do shit, but I get to the barn at 8, and I leave at 6. If I can't get it done between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m., six days a week, it ain't going to fucking happen anyway. <laughs> Where a younger Clinton would have done 16 hours a day. Right. You get what I'm saying? And just completely gone ape shit on the whole thing. But, yes, you, you, just be the best you can be. Absolutely. Don't be fucking average. Yeah. Because you're right about the regrets. You will have regrets playing it safe, and you'll also have some regrets going full retard on it and just giving it everything you've got. You're gonna have some regrets on either way. You know, I always tell people, there's a price to be paid for success. There is a price to be paid and for success. And a price to be, to be paid for failure. That's exactly right. So which one <clears throat> do you wanna live with? a price to be paid for average. Yes. Price to be paid for all of it. Yep. So you get the hunger back after this. You're back on your feet, you're back to training horses, you got the eye of the tiger, you wanna kick somebody's ass, is that right? 
I do. And this time I'm like, okay, I think what I want to do, I'm going to go, I'm going to train my own horse. I'm going to send all these horses home for everybody else. I'm going to figure this out. So I was trying to figure out how to win a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. And I have a stud horse um, out of that mare and buy my stud. And his name was Chuck. And I'm like, okay, let's go. He was a freak of nature. Mm -hmm. And I went to winning. I did really well. I tied him to the fence one day, looked up. He kind of pawed the fence, caught his shoe on the fence, pulled off his entire hoof capsule. Yeah. Entire thing. We're done. I was in the top 15. Now I'm right back. I was like, okay, we've been through this before. And it happened fast. Again, bad luck. Bad luck. Nobody's fault. Went up, went down. I'm like, okay, I've been here before. Is it as hard as learning to walk in? No. So let's figure it out. And I had this mare out in the pasture. I didn't even name her yet. The last foal out of that mare. Mm. Little tiny scrawny thing. And I was like, well, it's time to get that one broke because that's my favorite Mm -hmm. out of all of these. So let's go get that one broke. And that was Baby Flo. And I went to the round pin and I started her. I didn't want to send her to anybody. I sent her to somebody for 30 days mm-hmm. that has done a phenomenal job on everybody else. And they said, this is the horse that's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. I was still in the halo. She had come home. They wouldn't ride her. She had big scar, still has it on, the, on her side. I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. They were like, this is the horse that'll kill you. Right. And I was like, that's probably the horse I'm going to win on then. Yes. So I waited until I was healed up. Then this horse pulls his foot off. Fast forward, I go to the round pin. I was like, well, I think this is the one I'm going to win on. I mm-hmm. start her. I spend a couple hours and then I tell the guy that's helping me that cleans my stalls and stuff. I said, can you open the gate? And he was like, this is a really bad idea. Like you just broke your neck. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just open the gate. And mm-hmm. then he quit. The other girl quit. They said, we're not going to watch you break your neck again. <laughs> they all quit. So now I'm riding by myself in the arena on this thing. That's trying to jump out. of. I was on a mission. Yeah. I was like, I already know how this goes. Mm-hmm. Within 30 days, that horse had won her first barrel race. 30 truly. days of being broke to ride. Oh, truly. So just a freak of nature. Nobody yeah. should do that, by yes. the way. Yes. That's not advice I'm giving to anybody. Yes. Don't yes. do that. Yes. Don't go get on them. And, you know, yes. they need a lot of tools. Yes. I was a person in survival mode. Yeah, nothing In fight or flight. Yeah, yeah, nothing to lose. No. I already know what it feels like to almost be dead. Mm-hmm. Let's go try to win. And that's when you're the most dangerous. Yes. When you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain and you're young, you're fucking dangerous. Absolutely. You're dangerous. That's why I don't fuck off. The 20 to 30 is your decade to work, your decade to build your career, your decade to get your shit together. Because it's a magical... How old are you at this point? 40. Oh, what? Then? How old am I? 26. Right. You're right in the middle of that decade. Yep. 20 to 30 is a magic magic decade. Right. It's the decade that where you're the energized bunny. It's the decade you're the most dangerous. It's also the decade you're the most stupidest. So right. you can ruin your career and ruin some yeah. good things in your life by poor decisions. But if you cannot get married and fucking work your ass off and build your tools and build your career yep. and build your skill set, it's a magic decade you'll never get back. You're absolutely You'll right. never get that decade back again. Never learned more from like from 1 to 10 yeah. and from 20 to 30. I know all the short, at 47 now, I know all the shortcuts, but I don't have the energy I had in my 20s. Right. Does that make sense? Right. You know, you know what I mean? I, I know all the shortcuts to make now and I don't make the mistakes, but I don't have anywhere near the abundance of fucking energy you have in your 20s. And yeah. that's why it's such a special And decade. it's such a nice time too to have a chip on your shoulder. You know, there's, oh, yeah. there's a good place for hate. There, oh, I love it. And I always, people that's don't exactly right that. that. Use that. I told Melanie when she was there, use the hate for positivity. 
There's I a want place to, for it. The quickest way to get me to do something is just tell me I can't do it. Right. If There's you don't want me to do something, just tell me I can't do it. Yeah. If you said you could go win a world champion, it's not, ah, fuck, I don't want to do it. The fact that you don't think I can, I'm going to go fucking do it. No, I have to. Yes. If you, the, if the you quick, say I can't, I must. If, if, if it was, if, I will have a joke with my buddy. If it's wrong, it's fucking right. Yeah. If it's wrong and I'm not supposed to do it, I was the naughtiest kid in the Let's world. If it's it. wrong and I'm not supposed to do it, fuck yeah, I'm into it. Does that make sense? It makes oh, yeah. no sense at all, but I'm into it. If I shouldn't be doing it and it's wrong, it just trips my fucking trigger. Oh, my absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we have a saying, and it's if, if we can't, we must. Yeah. So whatever the thing is that you can't do, if we can't, we must. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you feel like, oh, 4.30 a.m., I probably couldn't do that. I can't do that. Well, now I've got to. Now yeah. I have to figure out a system to do that because there's no place that I'm going to let my brain fail me mm -hmm. because it's such a powerful tool and I think now I just have a little bit less of a chip on my shoulder so I really do love it when somebody makes a really bold statement about me yes I agree with that really I really need that I really love that if you could comment uh below on this YouTube video and tell me what it is you hate about me that would be really wonderful <laughs> And it would be super awesome for my journey. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'll, Tell me I'm fat, I, I'm ugly, oh, and I I'm can't win another world title. I'm going to be the first comment. I'm going to post the nastiest shit about you, bitch. Tell me this buckle's too bitch. old to wear. Oh, my God. I'm going to post the nastiest shit about you, and I'm going to be the first to post it on my own website. Perfect. <laughs> I also, it. I am available to scrape stalls and intern for you. I love it. I love it. I'll go right back into my 20s. So this mayor, she just is a natural barrel racing horse. What She's was her natural. name again? Baby Flo. Baby Flo. Yep. And this is your kind of next big famous horse. This correct? is her. Yep. And I don't mean to be ignorant, but I don't follow the barrel racing world. No, so, that's so great. So that's why I was asked. She's your next big famous horse. Yep. And it was pretty much to the top from the beginning on that man? Pretty much. Now, the thing is, is that she would hit barrels a lot, but I'd already been through that on Dr. Nick Bar mm -hmm. when I was a little kid of like, oh, I'm hitting a lot of barrels. So in true barrel racer fashion and women's sports fashion and i love that i'm going to say something controversial that yes. i normally wouldn't say that's why it's called uncut perfect that's place. why it's called uncut and real rule it's the place to say yeah, it that's your damn right it is people tend to and i don't see this as much now and i don't think this is for every horse but in our industry we have the aqha horse of the year and i have seen a lot and again there's many exceptions to this there's always an exception to every rule i feel like i was voted horse of the year by my peers for that mare, the year I didn't quite make it to the NFR, I missed it by 700 bucks because I wasn't a threat. They didn't pose me as a threat. I'd broken a lot of arena records. Mm -hmm. I'd almost made it to the NFR, but everybody knew I couldn't keep the barrels up. Right. Everybody knew it. The next year, I went to the NFR, I believe. Um, so I finally qualified in 2013. And I think I won, either that year I won first or second for horse of the year again. Mm -hmm. Because nobody was afraid of me. Yeah. And I went in. And I hit every barrel. If there was a barrel in the parking lot, I would have knocked it over. Like every <laughs> barrel you could hit, I hit that oh, barrel. Sweet. And the ripping I took online was just absolutely crazy. And I dressed crazy because I was building a business at the same time okay. to pay for this habit. Okay, so talk about that a little bit. Because you are known for your fucking fashion. Right. You are a bit of a half crazy bitch. Right. And, and, and I like that. Okay, so... We haven't talked about that. So you're building a fashion brand while you're, you're trying to make money as you're doing this new career. When I say new career, you got rid of all the paying customers. Right. You're basically riding your own I'm horses. I'm on my own. You're fucking starving. Right. You're trying to figure out how to make this work. So t talk a little bit about the whole clothing line, the fashion. How how did this whole crazy bitch run down the barrel racing with a mohawk come into play? <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So I, I love that you know about the mohawk. That's the only thing so I fucking know about you. You got big tits and a mohawk. I love okay, it. that's all I know. So I. So so um, I, I was on YouTube, and I was making a lot of YouTube videos by myself. Now, what year would this have been? 
uh, would have been like 2011. So this would have been really pioneer for YouTube, correct? Very much so. Nobody would have been putting horse no. training videos on YouTube, no, correct? No, no, no. No. So I've been doing now. That's awesome. Thank what you. What gave you the insight to do that? So my dad's an inventor. Yes. And so I love technology. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, I love it. I want to be on the ground floor of it. Yep. I want to make the mistakes. Mm -hmm. I want to figure it out. And I want to explore that world. Um, I don't. I love technology. I've been raised around it. My dad's 83 and he still draws. But you just said, hey, I'm going to put horse training videos on YouTube. Wouldn't this be cool? And it went off great straight great. away? Not really? What, great. How, yeah, it, it was great. Good. You know, um, I don't want to say I was the first person to do it, but I might have been. I'm not sure. You might have been the first one yeah. to really push it. And I used like hip hop music. I don't like country music. I yeah. hip hop music yeah. and was like, hey, I'm, I'm a city chick. Yeah. And this is what I'm doing. Country, the problem with country, somebody's either falling in love or somebody's fucking dying. Or I somebody's mean, an alcoholic. But listen, it's the exact same thing in rap music. There's just a different <laughs> drum beat. The exact same thing. Exact same stuff. I had some country in the arena today. And after a couple of hours, I said, i got to turn this shit off. I'm sad. depressed as fuck. No, you just somebody's it. either falling in love, somebody's fucking dying, or somebody's just become an alcoholic in a breakup. It's like, God damn, I need some motivation My today. favorite, and I, I need to tell this story. My favorite thing about rap music is I live next door to the video producers for Kanye West uh -huh. in LA. Yeah. And they would ask me my and they obviously had rappers signed to that label mm. and they would um, they were really really great and they just made a big documentary about mm. Kanye and it was it went amazing and I texted them and mm. and um, we still have been in touch with each other but they had rappers that were signed to different labels that would come by and live in their apartment mm. and they would call me and say, "Hey, would you give us a ride to this music video on set?" And I would give them a ride to the music video where in the music video they were driving a Rolls Royce or a Phantom. But they didn't have wheels to get there. Yeah. And I was like, I connect so much to this music because um, they're just trying to speak into existence something that is absolutely not there. That guy didn't have a microwave, much less a Rolls. But, you know, there was something about that that I connected to at the a really end, young end age. End result, yes. End result. Yes. So. Needless to say, um, so where did you make money from the YouTube videos? How did that I didn't help make you? any money? So what did it do? Make you famous? Help you sell horses? What did it do? In the How did you monetize it? I suppose is what I'm asking. In the beginning, it was to sell horses. Okay. And I was having somebody dally off a mattress to him and riding on the mattress and doing backflips off of them and taking awesome. the bridle off and you know yeah. doing whatever I could to sell these horses. And then of course came the backlash of when they got them home and they would do something stupid with a lot less skill, they'd have a yeah. lot more problems. Yeah. And so that I thought, let's parlay this into training tools because it was an outlet for me to be able to talk to people, them to get to know me as a person. So mm -hmm. maybe they wouldn't think I was a jerk that was like some scam artist. They yes. would get to know me as a person and realize I had a lot of knowledge. And it was kind of like a, uh, I guess an old school podcast. I mm -hmm. wanted to teach. And I think through teaching, you learn so much when you, have to go back and kind of rewind time and, and tell people how that. you got there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to learn something today from this podcast from hearing your process. Yes. So, so how, where did the fashion come into it? Because that's where I'm intrigued of where the outfits and all that shit happened. Where so did that start? I started thinking, this mare is Sarl with Star. Yeah. I mean, she just looks like it. You wouldn't give 25 Plain pack of cigarettes. You, you might give five grand for her today if you saw her. Like she's yeah. fat, fatter now, but yeah. you wouldn't give, you know, yeah. it's nothing Plain to look pack at. Plain pack of cigarettes. And I thought, how are they ever going to pick me out of the stands to know which girl I am? How at any point are they going to know that that's me? And from YouTube, I realized that you needed to be unique in order for your views to go up or yes. to see. We didn't know what clickbait was. Um, we didn't know what thumbnails were to make them pretty. Yeah. We didn't know anything. So all I knew was, well, they need to be able to see me or they can't get behind me. And yes. so I started um, through Chuck's journey of losing his foot, I started documenting that. Mm. 
And then um, people started making me really upset when I started running Baby Flow because um, she was skinny. I was in a borrowed truck and trailer. It was just, I had a really crap rig, mm. um, but I knew I wanted my money to go back into this business that I was mm. starting. And I just started using hashtag fear the little red horse. Mm. Fear me, fear me. I know it looks like a pony, but fear the little red mm -hmm. horse. And um, I hired a girl that met me off YouTube and she came to me and she was like, you know, people want to support you. Mm. You know, people want to be a part of what you've got going. We should, we should make some like, t-shirts or something that people can be in support of you. And it kind of started something. So I took a pair of pants and I decided, wouldn't it be cool if I spray, <laughs> this sounds like such a crazy idea now. Here's a fuck, Say But it. I'd take a pair of pants and I'm gonna spray paint it and make them like crazy. So I took pants from the thrift store and I spray painted them orange and yellow and hot pink and then a top. And I thought this would be really cool because people are gonna know who I am because from a long way yeah. away, you can't see, and then up close it looks like crap, but nobody's gonna be up close. Yeah. And then they can see me, and then they can know which girl is me. Yeah. We all look the same in hats and on a yes, sorrel horse. I agree. Nobody can tell you apart. And I had this thought in my mind of NASCAR has a number, NBA, NFL, mm -hmm. you have a number, you mm -hmm. have a number. We don't have that in rodeo. And mm -hmm. they give you a different back number every time. So my thought process was I need to be recognizable so that people know to go subscribe to my YouTube or whatever yeah. I'm gonna do later. It sounds genius, all the levels, but I really was just stumbling my way through yeah, the yeah, next that's thing. Okay. That's, that's what makes it endearing. And the, those pants were all, <laughs> we were talking about them on the way here, because when I'd go to get on my horse, like it would crunch. <laughs> and, <laughs> all then, the paint. and then like, you know, a world champion rode up next to me and I'm trying to like play it cool. And this girl, she's like, everybody knows she's got ice in her veins and I'm trying to play it really cool on this like 14 hand pony and she's on this giant dash to fame and her horse kind of laid on me as we were getting ready to run and all the paint came off on her pants <laughs> and I was just like oh my god you could have died of embarrassment what am I gonna do now my saddle like <laughs> it was just, it was so bad but what happened was it was kind of a genius thing you know everybody looked at my rig and they looked at my skinny horse and they looked at all the things and nobody knew I'd been to the NFR four times. They'd forgotten about me. Yeah, yeah. And so this was my way to come back and be yeah, like, hey, Yeah, because you, had, you had like a four or five year break there, didn't you? It was actually 10 between oh, 10. the time that I qualified back to the NFR. Ah, yeah, truly. It was That's a, a fair time. time. And you were right, people will forget you. Yes. They'll forget. And so it was, it was interesting to me trying to get that like, man, I used to have an autograph line and I used to have all these different things and mm. nobody knows who I am, so I'm just gonna be ridiculous. And then I found very quickly that people would just make fun of the thing that I, I could direct people yes. to what they could make fun of. Yes. What the hell is she wearing? Yes. And then it just was like, okay, let's just make this crazier and crazier. So the girl that I hired that watched all my YouTube videos, she was like, I think people really wanna support you. We should make some t-shirts. Let's get a vinyl cutter and let's stay up all night. And then those stupid pants that you wear, she was like, I think I can dye those myself. And so we can dip dye these pants and we'll make you a little bit better pair. And then maybe we can sell them. And then I went into eBay mode and I was like, okay, wait a second. So what I started to do Love was this. I would go to these, um, these Western stores or whatever that would have clearance shirts. Mm -hmm and Western shirts and I'd wear the men's, you know what they wear to like um, Mexican line dancing? Oh yeah. You know, the yeah. guys with the pointy boots, yeah. what they wear? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. their shirts are pretty cool. 
So, and they got some rhinestones If on you're them. gay or a Mexican, one of the two. Or if a you're chick. gay or, or fucking Mexican or a she, they're right yeah, up your alley. Or a chick that can get away with a lot. <laughs> I love it. So, I would buy those. They were really cheap. And I could only afford one at a time. Mm -hmm. And I would put that shirt on and I would take a picture. And I was a model. So, that layer came into where yep. I knew how to take a picture of myself. And I'd take a picture and I would run at that rodeo. And I'd put a little piece on YouTube of I'm going to run at this rodeo. And people don't know... When you have a big following or you've been to the NFR, they don't know you're broke. Yeah. They think you're famous and yes. everything's going great. Yes. They think, oh, you've been on TV. That yes. has yes. some sort of, you yeah. know, depth yeah. to how you're doing in your career. They don't know that you're barely breaking even and you're doing your yeah. very best. Yes. So they would look at me like that. So I played into it. Like yep. I'd lean on that borrowed truck. Yep. It didn't even have a door panel on the inside. <laughs> didn't have an AC. It was really bad. Yeah. I'd lean on the back with my hat on and take the shirt and I would run an auction on Facebook of buy the shirt off my back. I love and I it. would buy the shirt off my back and you could have the back number with it. I'd autograph the back number and I would say how I did at the rodeos. And if I won the rodeo, the shirt would bring a little more. And then I would take all of that money and put into stock. And we'd buy four or five t-shirts at a time. Then we'd run stuff through the vinyl cutter. And then my friend that I had, you know, she wasn't on payroll. She was just working, thank God, for yeah. just the love of the game. And um, I could pay her scraps here and there through PayPal of like, I, th I can PayPal you a little bit. Um, we would go in and make these designs and make crazy stuff that we'd put on, you yeah. know, shirts. Like yeah. you've got more issues than the alley or, yeah. you know, yeah. I love it. you know, like, got uh, more issues you know, than the alley. You know, whatever, it. whatever yeah. it may yeah. be. Like it yeah. was just funny sayings. And then we started dip dyeing those jeans and it caught a little steam as people were buying things off my back. The more rodeos I went to, I was able to use that shirt off my back to build steam and a connection with my fans that I didn't realize um, having that piece of equipment from that rodeo and they saw it at Rodeo Houston and they saw it at Cheyenne, it meant so much to them and they felt like they were part of my journey. Mm. And it also made me indebted. They knew they were paying for that fuel mm. to go to that mm. next rodeo. Mm. And so this this um, kind of steam of all of these people were really, really cool to have behind me. Not only that, but they understood why I was wearing tie-dye, why I had fringe down to my ass, why I was doing that. Mm. I don't dress like that day to day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they yeah. understood, like, if I don't have the best rig in the room and I've got this homegrown horse um, that doesn't look like everybody else's, yes. I can just stand out. Yeah. I can just try to stand you got, out. You can't, you can't stand out from the pack when you follow the pack. Right. Yes. And yeah. the pioneers always have the arrows in their back. Yes. So it's going to hurt a little bit. Yes. But at least I'm doing something that's going to get me recognized. So let me ask you, if you're advertising this shirt or the outfit, you don't know how you're going to do in this rodeo, though, correct? No idea. Or, so what happens if you were last? Did they still buy it? They bought it. Even though you were last? They and bought if it. if you won, did they pay more? Like, yes. If okay. I won, they paid more. Arena record, they paid more. But if you were last, they still bought it? Still bought it. Okay. I could still pay my entry fees to the yeah. next one. So it worked out really well. And then we started selling these little T-shirts that we were making at home. And I'd be on the road, and she'd be making shirts. Or mm. I would come off the road, and I would help make shirts. And... My little single wide trailer looked like Snoop Dogg lived there because it yeah. had just smoke boiling through from the heat press of us yeah. just like heat pressing designs on shirts and, you know, fear the little red horse shirts were going out like crazy. Yes, yes. And um, it was so, so cool. See, this, just this, to is, see this the is such build. a cool part of the story to me personally, because in the beginning, if people listen to your story, this is just a rich bitch. She's got rich fucking parents. She came from money. Her dad's a fucking billionaire, blah, blah, blah. Clearly, you're not. You're right. on your own. Right. You're, at some point, clearly, your parents cut you off the titty, and right. you're fucking on your own. Right. And you're trying to make it work right. My now. big goal was 
Could I retire my parents? Yeah. Could I show up with a vehicle? Yeah. On their front doorstep? Could I, you know, pay back? Yes. They bought a horse for $75,000 for me. I'm not saying they didn't help you. What right. I'm saying is it wasn't handed to you. You still have to, you're at your lowest now. Right. Trying to make a comeback. It's right. been 10 years since you've been on the titty. Right. Let's be honest. It's and 10 years so since you're on mom and daddy's money. And now you're fucking on your own. And you're, you're basically oh, yeah. illegally printing Mexican t-shirts oh, yeah. out of your trailer. I'm doing whatever I can, <laughs> whatever I can to do it. And I think that the perspective was, oh, here comes Fallon Taylor again. And here's a gimmick she's trying. She's mm. going to sell these shirts. And nobody knew how much I was struggling and how we'd go home and have these meetings of like, okay, how are we going to do it? Yeah. You know, how are we going to make this work? And it began to be really, really cool. And those jeans kind of caught steam and I started going to rodeos. So young barrel racing girls are buying them? Who's buying them? Everybody. Mom, and still to this day. Gay guys in LA? Who's all fucking of them. buying them? All of them. Okay. All of them. I love the gay guys in LA. Oh, now, they and would not buy that LA, shit in a heartbeat. But it's so fun to see yeah. um, my following is really diverse. That's awesome. Every single kind of person. And I think it's, the whole message is, listen, they're going to make fun of you for something. Just be you. Point to it and be say, you. hey, hey, listen, I'm broke and I got borrowed shit. Yeah. And my horse is really awesome. And that's what I've got going on. And I'm still here to try to be competitive. And I want to whip your butt. I love it. Like, that's Fucking what I want to do. Love it. And there's plenty to make fun of. So did it did it take off? Uh after two or three years, it kind of picked up some steam. How did you make more money from it? How did the fashion keep growing for you? We kept investing. So I kept investing more mm -hmm. back into it and taking zero out. Mm -hmm. I kept trying to get just to zero and yep. reinvest yep. because I learned from the eBay thing, as long as I, I have inventory, I won't be broke. Yes. So, but when I run out of inventory, if I... You got to have fruit to sell if you're going to have a fruit stand. Absolutely. Yes. So that was the whole thing was... How can I keep getting more and more inventory? Yes. And then I started looking into the production and that's where the being red thing comes really in handy because I started going, how can we be better? How can we be better? How can I learn to manufacture this? My dad did it. He knows nothing about clothes. He can't help me here. So then, you know, thank goodness for YouTube. I tried to learn everything that I could about manufacturing. I put mm. every bit of my money into, um, trying to get more and more involved in the manufacturing process yes. instead of dip dyeing these things in the backyard because yes. that was not going to get me yes. very far. Right. It was cool and it was like, man, we made a hundred bucks today. Yeah, wow, we made 500 bucks today. Yep. This is really cool. But you, you figured out you can't get rich with your own two hands. That's really, That was the greatest lesson I ever got when I was 13 years old. You're never going to get rich with, there's not enough hours in the day and with your own two hands to get rich. It'll never work. Unless you're a gold maker, some right. sculptor, unless you do something so fucking unique in the world right. that nobody can duplicate, right. you just can't get rich with your own two hands. So in the trailer, your trailer park trash doing yeah. your own tie-dye. Right. And you're using your own two hands. Yes. You figured out you can make a living doing it, but yep. you can't get rich. And and selling out was fun mm -hmm. until it was like, yeah, but we're missing so much. Yes. So what are we going to do here? And um, so I just kept struggling to, I sold my car, mm -hmm. got a borrowed truck and trailer, yep. didn't buy a new one. Yeah. Kept just trying, and now the little mare was winning. Mm -hmm. So now we're really, really winning. And if I could just get to the NFR so I could get these clothes on TV, yeah. I'm really going to make it. Clinton's grabbing a cocktail and we'll be right back. Get yourself one and enjoy this short clip. We have people come in, 10 students and two times a year. So 20 students come in and do the academy. And if they graduate, they get to use my method and name and all that and train horses. Well, recently, 
I've had some students that have said to me, yeah, I'm booked up for a year. I've got enough training business for a year. Mm-hmm. And, I, and they kind of acted proud of it. And I said, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's disgusting. And they looked at me and said, why? And I said, if you're booked up for a year, you're not charging enough. Yes. That, that is an absolute shame. Mm-hmm. I said, what are you charging right now? They said $4,500 for six weeks to train somebody's horse. And you're booked for a year? Terrible. Raise it to six, minimum, yep. maybe seven. You don't want to be booked more than six months in advance at the most. Mm-hmm. Ideally, three. Yep. Three is about where you want to be. I tell my students, if you're booked any more than three, you're on the verge of being too cheap. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you know who taught me that? Or, or really verbalized about me that was Doug. Yeah. Doug yeah. was really, he really pushed that on me, was like, just like that. You need to go up. You need to go up. If they're willing to pay it and you got a waiting list, That's you've exactly got to go right. up. So I get to the NFR. I miss out, get voted horse of the year, you know, whatever. They throw me a bone. Get back to the, NF, get to the NFR. I make it. I get the clothes on TV. I'm roasted because the people that watch in December haven't watched all year. Ah, So now point. I'm Lady Gaga. Yeah, they just think you're an attention-grabbing bitch, attention whore, yep. that type of stuff. Yep. They don't understand that you, you've got a, you know, kind of a following doing this and while you're doing cool it. And these cool people following me, yeah. these people that are like understanding the journey, mm. that are like, ah, her horse like yeah. basically almost died, and then she mm. trained this when she broke her neck, like yeah, yeah, we're yeah. behind this gal, she speaks our language yeah. and she loves us, it doesn't ma- matter for black, white, and yeah. you know, whatever background we come from, this, yeah. she's kind of our representative. Yeah. So I get there and it's like, worry more about your your third barrel instead of your lipstick and then you'd probably be able to win, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So what was great is the business was growing. I got that time on TV. I won Best Dressed, which, which was really cool. Awesome. And after I win Best Dressed, um, I decided, you know, this is the worst year of my life, you know, competitively. It was absolutely horrible. I get to the top 15 and fail in front of everyone. I'm mm-hmm. made fun of. I'm the laughing stock mm-hmm. of everyone. And the season ends... Um, you know, that night at the NFR and I went home and got up at 5 a.m. and started working on the next year and was like, I was the worst horseman and had the worst horse at the NFR, which I think is why everybody was like, here's this award, you know, it's a really nice mare, you know, despite you messing her up, you know, here you go. And so I thought it's time for me to get my crap together. I need to go back in there and show what I've trained because now I'm getting all this attention for my outfits and that's great but I want people to see how awesome this mare is that I trained and her to get a little bit of credit. So you get is, a little more serious about the horse training? I got a lot more serious about her. Mm. And so- which, which also comes back to the point, Fallon, is when everything's important, nothing's important. Right. Meaning that you were focused on the clothing. Right. You were focused on eating. Let's be fucking honest, yeah. eating, yeah. surviving. So running barrels is kind of a second, right. third, third point. You're trying to eat, make money, survive, but the clothing took off. Now you refocus to your horse. Clothing's number, number two, number right. three now, but the horse is number one. So what happened that next year? I started the next day. Yeah, I get it. Like, let's yes. go yeah. do it. Let's yeah. go freaking. and the year had already started. Mm-hmm. Rodeo season's weird, it overlaps. Yeah. You never get a break, it's a circus. Mm-hmm and decided to redo everything. Um, I bought all of your videos and I went through absolutely everything and learned from every single person that put out any piece of content and decided to go back and redo some things. Mm -hmm. That 30 days that I broke my horse and went to a barrel race, I had to go back and and put some buttons in that I needed. 
Nobody was worried about me. Mm -hmm. They knew I had a really, really nice mare that had broken a bunch of arena records, but I couldn't be consistent. Mm -hmm. So my goal was to be consistent. And I knew that that's what everybody said about me. So if I can't be consistent, I must be consistent. So that's what I did was I must be consistent. And I went through and my entire point the entire year was if there was two rounds and the top 12 go to the finals, get in the finals. Don't arena record the first run and then hit a barrel to yeah. arena record again the second run. Don't be the go-round king. Win third. Yeah, don't be the go-round king. Yeah, win third every round. Yes. Win third. So my goal was to win third all year. Got to the NFR again. And through this, my friend at home, she's selling more clothes. She's dip dyeing jeans. We're manufacturing a little bit. We're really, really starting to do it. And... Um, we, is it selling with mainly who's your demographic? Teenage girls every, in their twenties. Kind of, it's it's little. Girls, <laughs> I don't mean to be a dick, but who's buying this? Little shit? girls and people that want hope. Okay. People that have seen me break my neck. Yep. And come back. People that see me lose everything and yep. come back. People okay. that are unaccepted in their group. But mainly females, correct? Correct. Okay. Right. right. Or gay guys from LA. Either right. one. Either okay. one. Or Mexicans with sparkles. Money's green. Okay. Right. <laughs> there, there it is green. You're right. You're right about that. Either way. Who am I to judge? I'm, <laughs> Fuck this it. Point, I'll take anybody's money. You can be matter. crippled in a wheelchair, gay, yeah. straight, Mexican. I'll fucking Whatever. take your money. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Money's I'm an equal green. Opportunist. Who am I to judge? <laughs> That's exactly right. I've I love been it. bald. I've been crippled at this point. <laughs> I love Doesn't it. Doesn't matter. So, God, so I get back to the NFR and at, at this point, by the way, I'm taking my, my goods to the NFR. So I've got a little booth the size of a closet. I would have loved to have had yeah. this much room, but I had like a booth the size of the closet. I'm doing my own appearances and mm -hmm. all this stuff, but trying to make ends yeah. meet. And I get to the NFR the next year and I told everybody this time, delete every app off your phones. Nobody discuss numbers with me. Nobody tell me what anybody thinks of me. Mm -hmm. Nobody tell me how close I am. I went into the NFR third that year. Nobody tell me anything. My goal here is to win the average. Mm -hmm. That's I've got one goal. And I went through and my dad would walk me down the alley every time. Sentimental thing for us. Mm -hmm. and, and he would walk me down the alley. And I'll never forget the girl that was kind of projected to win the world hit a barrel and she ran right before me. And my dad turned around in the alleyway and I'm next to run and I just see him go just like stop himself from saying something. Mm. And I just go, hey, we're just trying to win the average. Yeah, yeah We're just yeah. trying to win the average. And I went in and I, I won second in the average. So now I gotta go back and win the average. Yeah. But I won the world. That's awesome. And it was really cool. And it gave me kind of that credibility that I wanted so badly. To not be a one hit wonder. To not be a one hit wonder. And to give a reason for why I'm here. Mm -hmm. I broke my neck. I learned yeah. to walk again. Do something with that chance. Yes. Don't be a jerk. That's absolutely Don't be a jerk right. and that's just right. piss that away. That's right. Do something with it. That's exactly right. So from there, then the, the business really caught a lot of steam. And um, gratefully, we've been able to scale that. We're not dip dyeing jeans in the backyard anymore. But now we're taking <laughs> it really seriously. I love it. And through the seriousness that we've taken of the business, you know, I've obviously competed less and less and yes. less. And now I've got the itch again. So I'm where so you're you at. So get, you're getting back to it. Yeah. I've got the itch. I'm glad I took the break because I, I just needed to fuck off three or four years. Yeah. I, I really did because I left high school at 15. I had to grow up very quickly. So from 15 to 43, I was an animal. I, I was just an animal, 16 hours a day, seven days a week. 
people say, what do you do for hobbies? There's no fucking hobby. That is my hobby. This, yep. this business is my hobby. What do you do for fun? This is it. Mm -hmm. What do you do in your spare time? There yeah. is no fucking spare time. Yep. Like, I, I never live. So I wanted to go fucking live a little bit for well, three or four years. Well, what's the point of being really successful? I, I didn't want to be the richest asshole in the grave. Right. You get what I'm saying? I didn't want to be the richest asshole in the grave. So I spent the last three years, almost four, kind of fucking off, having a good time, partying, doing some shit that I shouldn't have been doing, but I had a ton of fun doing it, okay? And, but I'm done with it now. I'm now ready to get back to the eye of the tiger and I feel that burning desire back into me again. I'm getting to the barn early. I'm staying later. You know, like today I had this podcast. So instead of getting at eight, I got there at 4.30. I got all my horses ridden because I knew I had to do the podcast. It wasn't an excuse of, well, the podcast is going to take up time. These ones won't get ridden. I still had to get all this shit done. So... I can un identify with that, feel that hunger back. And I like people saying I can't win. Do you I have a, is there a fear attached to that? No. I have a little bit of a fear, I think, attached no, to it. No, I just like people saying that I can't win. Right. I like people saying, you're a clinician, sure, you're a great businessman, sure, you made a lot of money, sure, you're a good you marketer. You can coach, but you can't play. Sure, yeah, you, you can coach, but you can't do it. And I love people saying you'll never win. These other trainers are better than you. And I love them saying that because it gives me fuel to go prove them wrong. So I like that feedback. I like that hatred. I like being people hating on me. I like walking past people and them giving me that eat shit and die look. We all have hate and anger. And I love no matter how that. Nice I you thrive are off you that are. shit. If yeah. I didn't do that shit, I'm not sure I'd be as motivated. Because I'll be honest about this. I'm going to take some heat for this, but fuck it. That's the point of the podcast. <laughs> Let's go. One of the negatives of having money is it makes you lazy. I've said that a lot. Uh, it's made me a little lazy. Mm -hmm. The last, Since I've, I don't have to worry about money anymore, I don't have to worry about horses and what I buy and what I don't, it's fucking made me a tad bit lazy. And I and I don't like that about that myself. That scares me. Yes, That's where it's, my fear yes. comes in. It's, I was it, wondering it's, about it's, the fear. It's made me a little lazy. <clears throat> it's it's bothered me. It's it's just hasn't set well with me. And this year I said, fuck it, I'm going to get after it again. You know what I mean? And... Um, uh, you know, perfect example, I made this switch about four months ago. The last horse show I went to, I won the reining in my division. I'm not getting great, I'm getting average scores in the cutting and, the, and, the, and going down the fence, but I'm, I'm coming. I watched the live stream. Yeah, I'm great. coming. I'm coming. Yeah. I can feel it coming. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling Clinton coming again, and the greatest thing you can do to me is bet the fuck against me. Yeah. I hope to shit you bet against me because yes. I'm fucking coming. Yeah. So I've got the time now. I've got the money, I've got the horses, and now the one thing I lacked a little bit the last few years is the passion. Drive. The yep. drive yep. to go do it again. And I feel that coming back, which I'm glad I've got it back again, because I've always been driven. So I've been a little bit rudderless the last three years sure. and just partying too much. And, I've, and I think I kind of needed that, just to be perfectly honest, because... I was so fucking driven and so you insane. You gotta turn some of those good horses out for a minute. I, yes, I, I and bring them back up. <laughs> Corona was a COVID nineteen was a shitty disease, and I lost some good friends over yep. it. But the only good thing about it is it made me not tour for two years. Right. I did not do a clinic or a fucking tour for two years, and that I'd gone twenty something years constantly touring. So now I can go tour, and I don't love it anymore, but I don't hate it. That's right. a key thing. Right. I can get done with a tour now, Fallon, and be neutral. That's a big deal for me. Because right. it was such, a, I was so, I was like a 20-year-old hunter jumper pony that's jumped and jumped with these kids yeah. for 20 years. Just done. And just wants to rip this kid off its back, throw it on the fucking ground, stomp and take a shit on it. I am done. 
I am done with Cavalettis. I'm done fucking jumping. I'm done with you little snots. I'm done. That's where I was when I retired. I was so fucking burnt out. So the three years was good for me to take a mental break, go fuck off, go do some stupid shit, give me a break from touring, give me a break from teaching, give me a break from employees, and now I'm back in the game again. I feel the hunger back, and I'm, I've missed it, and I'm glad I've got a purpose again. Well, I think you're terrible, and you suck. I love it. And Here's what we're going to do. When we release this on YouTube, <laughs> when we release this on YouTube, That's I'm going to be the first comment on your channel, and I'm going to say some nasty shit about you. And at the end, I'll say, bitch, I love you to death, you're, and you're going to win. And you're, you're going to say been. the most nasty shit about me, and at the end, motherfucker, I hope you win. So I'm going to be first on your channel, and you're going to be first. On, and I, I hope it. everybody follows our lead and says the nastiest shit about if, either one of us. If anybody doesn't understand color code, this is what a red in your life needs so desperately, yes. <laughs> I need you to talk some crap to me so bad because Reds it matters. Reds do what you don't want them to do. Yes. If you tell a red to wear these socks, they don't want to fucking wear them. Well, you know, it's funny in the book, it, it says when you're dealing with red children, uh, one of the ways to fuck with their brains and to get them to do what you want is you say to them, here's three outfits for school. You can pick any one of these three. They still get to pick. Right. But, but it's all three. Yes. Where if you tell a red kid, this is what you're fucking wearing to school, we're like, fuck, no, yes. I'm not wearing that. I'm wearing the Batman suit. Yes. You get now. what I'm saying? But he says in the book, the, the guy that meant it, he says, here's a good trick for red kids. Just give them three outfits. Yeah. And let them still pick. Yes, they still have a decision. Reds have to be power. Reds yep. have to pick their de destiny. Reds do not want to be told what to fucking do or yes. what they can't do. And that's why we thrive off negativity. Absolutely. And some people don't. Some people take it to heart. We thrive off it. I, You know, as, as a woman, I feel like we're kind of geared to take things a little bit more personally, Probably. maybe. And I don't mean to be insensitive to men, but yeah. I feel like we take it a little bit. You watch men in groups, you watch women in groups, and it's wildly bizarre yes. to see how you guys could, like, punch punch each other and then be like, you good? You good? Yeah, okay, I'm yeah. good. Men or, can have a fist fight and then shake hands and literally walk Women are off. like, I've got the code to her voicemail and we're going to ruin her life. <laughs> And you're just like, oh my God, like, okay, that's very serious. I've always said this expression. If you give me a choice between a little old lady that's fucking pissed off at you and has a ton of money and hates your guts or getting in a cage with a bear and a tiger, the I bear. will get in the bear the and the bear. tiger any day of the week because they'll just kill me on the spot. Yes. You put me in the cage with the little old lady, that bitch is going to torture you. <laughs> She's going to pull your fucking fingernails off. Yep. She's going to poke things in your ears. She's going to keep you alive for years yes. and make you pay a miserable <laughs> death. So, and that's why with little old ladies that had a ton of money that weren't happy, I just gave them their money back. Yeah. I gave them a free I, I've done that I now. did whatever yeah. the fuck it took. Yeah. Because there's nothing more dangerous in the world than an old lady with a shit ton of money that fucking hates your And guts. isn't it funny they don't want the money back? No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I <laughs> just I do whatever it takes to make them go yep. away because they are Same. the most dangerous animal in the world. You, you know, <laughs> it's funny. In my career, it is what it is, fuck it. I can actually only remember two arguments or two problems with horses and business with men right. in my entire career. Just two. And the other 10,000 have been Everything. with women. 
It's a tough world. It's a fucking, you know what it's I'm trying to say? Man, man will fucking punch you in the nose. You punch them in yep. the nose. When the dust settles, you shake hands and you fucking move on. Absolutely. And it doesn't quite work like that with women. They don't fucking forget. They're like, we're going to slither in the grass. Oh, yeah. And bite you when you least <laughs> expect it. And I'm like, okay, well, it's made for me to be a really, really tough businesswoman. Mm. I've learned a lot. I learned people want to take everything from you. I've learned that, um, you know, the hate comments again are amazing. Women, there's no shortage. So now that I'm hearing whispers of, um, you know, when she's not running baby flow, she's not gonna win anymore. Keep that energy coming. I love it. Keep that I'm gonna post something coming. shitty on your website I'm ready. every day. I'm ready, just keep every that energy. Every day I'm gonna give you She'll the fuel never to win. win. Again. She's a has-been, <laughs> she's forgotten. I love it. You know, her buckles got rust on it. Like keep all of that energy coming. I love it. So, that, that's important, embrace the haters. So I finally people don't hate on losers. No, they don't. They don't they hate try on to people tackle the guy with winners. the ball. They hate on people that are going to go somewhere in life. Right. They hate on people that have got courage. The bums don't get hated on. No. Successful people, people that are up and coming get hated on. So you want to embrace that. I, I told Melanie that in the last podcast. I said, when people are hating on you and you'll find, and this is a, this is a truth to life. As you make more money, you will get new friends. Right. And people think you're a piece of shit for saying that, right. but it's the truth. Because even your friends, as you become more successful, a lot of them become jealous. A lot of them hate on you. I mean, my you. friends, I had friends and they uh, sued me and tried to take my business. You get they what I'm saying? As, as you yeah. As you make more money, you get different friends. And people think it's because, well, as you make more money, you just turn into a snob and you'd start hanging out with different people. Not at all. Mm -mm. It's just a lot of the people that you're friends with in the early years when you're broke, they don't embrace your success as much as you embrace it. And a lot of them become jealous of you. A lot well, of them become people, insecure. Anytime your light begins to shine, it shines light on all the cockroaches in the room. Yeah. So your ability to succeed just shines the light on someone else's failure mm -hmm. and just shines the light on, well, see, I'm not the most talented guy in the room and I did it. So that makes them feel more insecure about the things they didn't accomplish or the things that they regret or the things they didn't go for. It kind of shines that light on everybody. It's not that the person, and I'm not saying every person that's mm. been successful has been wonderful all the way to the top, but I, I do find that the majority of the people around you change more than you do. Because yes. I think when you become successful, you can look back and go, wow, that was a really humbling experience. Like that mm. was really, really freaking hard. And mm. um, wow, I really paid my dues on that. And you kind of look around and go, why aren't you failing quickly? And why aren't you, you know, why aren't you trying that? It just makes people feel very insecure about the things that they also didn't succeed at because most of those people, the friends that love you around you will be the first people to tell you not to reach too far mm -hmm. because they love you. Yeah. They don't know that they're saying something negative. They don't know that they're saying something that's going to deter you from your dream. They're trying to give you a realistic view, mm -hmm. but everything worth accomplishing is way far outside of a realistic scope of what you could do. If with, it was easy, every motherfucker would do it. And I'm so grateful that. that that's the whole I'm point. So of it. grateful. If it was easy making money, if it was easy running a business, if it was easy winning a world championship, everybody'd be doing it. Right. But it's not easy. So with that being said, we're going to take a break. Okay. I'm going to get a fresh cocktail, and I've got a very important question to ask you okay. when we get back. <laughs> Clinton's grabbing a cocktail, and we'll be right back. Get yourself one, and enjoy this short clip. Of 
Righto, here's our next tape mail. This comes from Rich Offerson. Offerson, I think it is. He's got ADHD. I put my balls on it. You're probably fucking right. You're probably right I do have it. But whatever I've got, I don't mind keeping it. Because at 43, I fucking retired a multi-millionaire. And now I get to fuck off and have fun for the rest of my life. So whatever disease this is, give me some more of it, motherfucker. Have a wonderful day. So Fallon, let me ask you this. We're, we're, we're going to wrap up here pretty soon, but there's three questions I really want to ask you. If you could go back to a 20-year-old Fallon, or maybe it's 18, 20, 22, but a young age, with the, how old are you now? 40. 40. With the experience you have now, the, the successes, the fuck-ups, the bloody noses, the broken necks, it, it's all over the place, which is life. What would you go back, what would be the most valuable information that you could tell yourself? You're sitting on that couch right now at 20. What would you like to tell yourself? Absorb more knowledge quicker. On, in what? Everything. Every single thing that you can. Business, pick up every single book, read every single thing, intern every single place that you can go. Mm -hmm. um, absorb as much information as quickly as possible. One, one mistake that I think that I made was trying to learn everything about everything and remember when everything's important nothing's, nothing's important. important and you so you have to focus you can't kill the deer and and paint your nails at the same time right you get what i'm saying and you now, have to, if you're going to focus on the deer shoot the fucking deer <laughs> you, you can't be doing 20 other things well everybody tell, talks about balance and yes. it's just the it's biggest bullshit. crock of crap you could yes, ever it have yes it is there is no, There's balance. no balance not if you want to win if you want to be an average motherfucker you just want to skate by yep. in life, you'll have the perfect balance. There is no work personal balance no. to life if you want to be the best right. or you want to win. Right. Keyword. Right. If you don't want to win and you want to be average, you can get done at eight, get done at five, yep. work five days a week, have the weekends off. But if you want to win, it's got to consume you. Absolutely. You've got to be obsessed. Yes. And people have got to think you're a little bit deranged. Yes. Yeah, batshit crazy. Yeah. So you would say learn more about what you're trying to do. Yeah, smaller portions, 80-20. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. You don't need to know how the computer works. You need to learn what you need to do on mm -hmm. that thing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, in passing, heard a lady say, um, I want to learn everything my farrier knows. And I want to go to all the, and I was like, just hire the best farrier and know yeah. almost nothing. Yes. That's the goal. Find the best guy. I don't find need to the be best the best. Guy. Yes, find the best guy. And so I guess, I guess in retrospect, it would be find the best guy. And if you can't pay him, learn as much as you can. Yes. Next question. What do you think was the greatest bloody noses you've got and the greatest lessons from that? Or one great lesson? Like for me personally, and I've shared this before and just as an example, me going bankrupt was the biggest Almost, I didn't go bankrupt, but I was fucking this far away from it, okay? And this was, you know, probably close to 10 years ago now. I, I grossed 14 million that year and lost 375,000. How disgusting is that? You make this much money yep. and still lose 375. Yep. So that was my greatest bloody nose that I almost went bankrupt and it scared the fuck out of me. And I almost went back to Australia with the same bridle and $400 and broke. Right. And from that bloody nose, got me scared about money, meaning check credit cards, check mm -hmm. checks, find, you know, pay attention to who's right. got your money. So that was a very big awakening for me that I learned from, which is a great success for me. And I hope pe other people learn from that. 
if you could categorize, and there's, we always got several bloody noses in life, okay? But if is, is there one in particular that you could pinpoint and say, I got a fucking bloody nose here and this is what I learned from it? My biggest lesson in life, my biggest blessing has been breaking my neck. Yep. Seeing how tough I can be as a human mm -hmm. and learning that lesson and then learning friends and money don't mix. Yes. And how I went through so much with thinking certain people were my friends and then the other, recognizing basically what a friend is. I've been through so many yes. friendship funerals. Do, I, I, that's, a, that's a good, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. I have a little saying, don't ever hire anybody you can't see yourself firing. Right. And then let me explain this, okay? Because in the beginning when we're new to business and growing, hiring your friends seems like a good idea. They like me, I like them, we'll work together. Even hiring family. I've had to yep. fire my old man yep. for Christ's sake. Yep. That doesn't go down well at Christmas. You get what I'm saying? So so family seems like a good idea. Hire family. They got your back. Oh, you wait till you have to fire them. Yeah. You wait till you have to reprimand family and see yeah. how fucking Thanksgiving works out. So I have a little saying. They don't teach you this shit in Harvard, but this is worth a lot of money, what I'm about to say. Don't ever hire anybody that you can't see yourself sitting across a table and firing. And I'll tell you why. 90% of employees that work for you, it's probably 95, but we'll just call it 90 they at some point will leave your company. They will either leave your company because they think you're a piece of shit and you're underpaying them, overworking them, and they don't like you. So they will leave based on those reasons. Or you, as an employer, will fire them because they're lazy, not doing their job, not working hard enough, and not giving you what you're paying for. 10% of employees will leave you under these circumstances. Clinton, I loved working for you. My husband took a job in Florida. I'm moving to Florida with my husband. This has been the greatest job I've ever had. I'd be here forever, but I'm gonna support my husband and move with his career. And you give each other a hug, shake hands, and wish him the best. That's how 10% of, it's really 5%, of employees leave a company. The rest, it's either you fire their ass because they're not doing their job, or they quit your ass because they think you're a piece of shit. And in our industry... So if you're not friends with them, <laughs> guess how that conversation goes? For me now, real easy. Yeah. But when you're friends with them, that, that's a funeral that happens. It's a funeral. When you're, when you're a family with them, yep. it's not easy. The fallout's not easy right. from that. So I have a good rule now. I don't hire friends. I don't hire family members. Mm -hmm. I don't hire husband and wife teams mm -hmm. because... Because when you have to fire the wife, the husband turns on you. Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah. I don't hire husband-wife teams anymore. Right. Because I've had that backfire on me because they can't separate one got shit can and the other one's doing a great job and he has yeah. to go with his partner. So number one rule, don't ever hire anybody. You can't see yourself across the table firing you. So I like you after this podcast. Thanks. You were my enemy. Now you're my friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like you a lot. Yeah. I'm never going to fucking hire you, bitch, and you're right. never going to hire me. <laughs> because we don't want right. to ruin that friendship. Right. Absolutely. And it, in our industry, too, especially if you've got a little bit of a following, if I'm not perfect every single day, you're going to make a big deal out of it online. Mm -hmm. So I've learned that, like, people that, you know, oh, I just, I just want to learn from you. I just want to whatever, and then they'll make a hate video about oh, you, yeah. or they'll, you know, make up a crazy story. They do text back and apologize later, mm -hmm. and I do keep that. Yeah, I don't post it, <laughs> but I've got it. Yeah.
<laughs> so let, so that, that was, so breaking your neck was the biggest challenge you came over. I would say that and um, having friends kind of try to take away my own business. Those yes. two things, big, they're, they're big deal. Very big, hurtful. Big deal. Very, very hurtful. I, I don't, I, I've actually only got probably two people that I can really remember that are still with me 28 years later. Yeah. It's a shame. I've had a lot of great friends over the years, but only two have been with me that still stuck with me in the end. Ken Thalman and Rick Badusik are still with me from the beginning, but I've lost a lot of people on the way. And, and I'm sure they've evolved a lot as they people. They have. I used to, uh, to be perfectly honest, I used to be Fallon. I used to be very bitter at Down on the Horsemanship because I felt like it ruined a lot of my good friendships yep. with people. I felt like the money and the fame and the business ruined great friendships. But I had to remind myself, I met these people through Down Under. Right. If I wouldn't have been Down Under Horsemanship, I never would have met these people. So I'm, I'm, even though some of these friendships ended badly, I'm still glad I had them. I'm still glad I had these. I'm still glad I had these people in my life for for whatever time that was, whether it's weeks, months, or years. Everything comes to an end, so I can I can appreciate the friendship now that I'm a little older and more mature. But even though it maybe didn't end the way I wanted, I can still appreciate and be glad they were my friend and think positive of them. But but that's that's an important thing. There is is just don't don't hire friends and try not to hire family. It's been amazing to have um, an element of success and an element of financial success to be able to sift through and know really who's there. You, it's a I, really beautiful thing. i tell you a really fucking down to the bone bullshit that we do. So I used to be into all these fucking team building seminars and kumbaya and we all build fucking human pyramids and fucking hailed hands and meetings and all this kind of bullshit. We're one big happy family. And I'm talking to a buddy of mine and he's got a business worth about 180 million. And, uh, and I'm telling him about all this team building I'm doing and all this and he's kind of, he's chuckling and thinking it's a bunch of bullshit. And finally I said to him, I said, you know, I said, uh, David, my, my employees love me. You don't understand, they love me. Like I give them extra vacation time and I put their kids through school and I pay for funerals and whatever they need, I give it to them. My employees love me. And he just laughed at me. And he said, no, Clinton, they actually fucking hate your guts. Yep. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. You're old fogey. You don't understand this new hippie age, fucking human pyramids, holding hands bullshit. You don't get it, David. They love me. And he said, no, 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 Clinton. They actually fucking hate you. They just act like they like you when you're around. And I didn't believe him. I just thought he was old and bitter and didn't understand this new age of doing business. When I almost went bankrupt, holy snapping duck shit. Did the fucking rats run off Titanic? <laughs> I mean, these people that I thought had my fucking back are quitting my company, running off Titanic. When they smelt yeah. that I'm in financial fucking trouble, holy snapping duck yeah. shit, are they out the fucking door? Does that make sense? You so I got, I got a, I had like 20 people quitting like a week. You had I got a rude awakening of this big happy family I think we fucking got. Oh no, bitch. It's about money. <laughs> And I got pretty butthurt about it. I got pretty upset, pretty butthurt about this. But once I got over being butthurt, I said, okay, I'm good now. Now that I know what the fucking rules are, if you'll leave me for 50 cents an hour more, that's okay. But if I can fire you for 50 cents an hour less, I'll do that too. So now that we're playing by the same fucking set of rules, I'm good with it now. Now I got some lifers and I've taken care of these lifers, but they've been with me for 15 fucking years yeah. too. 
They've been through the Titanic going down. Yeah. And when I when I got up out of the water, they're on the rife laugh with me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, they're yeah. paddling with my ass all the way back to shore. The other people that I thought were family, those motherfuckers were long fucking gone. So that guy, his name was David McGee, and I learned a lot from him. And he said to me, no, they really hated you. That's the truth. Oh, they yeah. really do hate you. And, and I don't care now. You know why I don't care? I just need you to respect me. When I walk around, I need you to smile at me. And I don't give a fuck if you like me or not. Do your job. That's all I need you to do. And when you do your job, I will pay you. And when you do your job exceptionally, I'll pay you more. And when you do your job so well that I can't replace you, I'll make you fucking rich. I'll put the golden handcuffs on you that you're not going anywhere. Nobody will hire you from me because I'll pay you so fucking much you can't leave. But that was, that was a rude awakening for me of all this human pyramid bullshit, kumbaya stuff, we're one big fucking happy family. Oh no, motherfucker. Most friendships are $1 deep. You taught me that in a podcast and it changed my life. I had so many employees quit or ask for something a week after I heard your podcast and it changed my, my life. And I've been in business for a long time now. And it changed my mindset where it's not offensive, it's not personal. No, I don't it's take, a dollar deal. I'm not, I'm not mad anymore. I'm over that. I got over <laughs> the, I was butthurt, Fallon. I'll say it. I was butthurt because I thought we were fucking family. Oh, I would cry. I, I, I buried your parents. You yep. got no money. You need 10 grand for a funeral. I fucking write the check. Yep. Yep. You know what I mean? I thought we were family. So I got kind of butthurt over it. But now I'm not, I'm not butthurt now. I'm just unemotional about it. Exactly. I'm not positive. I'm not negative. I'm just neutral. Yes. Now, that's all I am now, neutral, because I'm playing by the same set of rules. I was playing by this set, which means I'm going to ride or die for you, motherfucker. Right. But you weren't going to ride and die for me. Right. That's okay. Now that I know you're not going to ride and die for me, that's why in your inner circle of friends, if you can count three people that have got your back under any circumstance, you're the richest person in the world. I, I feel... The richest person so in the lucky. world. That at one o'clock in the morning, your house burns yep. down. They're going to be there with yep. a checkbook, with money, with yep. whatever you fucking need. There's a lot of fair-weathered friends. It took a lot of losing to figure out who those were. Yes. I'm so grateful. And that's one thing. So I was very bitter at Down Under for many years because I felt like it ruined some good friendships. What I had to remember is, no, I got these friendships through the business. Appreciate what those friendships were for as long as they lasted. Some were a little bit of time, right. some were a lot of time, but appreciate them for what they were. But now at my age, I always have this saying, everything comes to an end. Yes. We have met each other tonight and formed a friendship. That friendship might last weeks, months, years, 30 years, who knows? But at some point it'll come to an end. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll fucking die, maybe you'll fucking die. But at some time it'll end. Right. So until it ends, just appreciate it. Right. Appreciate what it is and just understand at some point it will end. Right. One question, last question I've got for you. What is your goal now? Where, what, what, what makes you get the fuck out of bed now? I just had a baby a year ago mm -hmm. and in my DMs for the last decade or more has been mom after mom saying that they lost their identity. They don't know who they are anymore. Do we have any tips for them coming back after an injury or after having a baby? I almost said giving full or having a full. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a broodmare. What do I do yeah, now? Yeah. Um, so I think. I would sell your fucking embryos for so much money. It's not even funny. I would haul you out, bitch, for so much money. It's not even funny. Hey, listen. I, I would see you and be selling ta Fallon Taylor embryos and pants in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, we. I, so I've gotten that comment so much that I was like, 
I think this is the next thing I want to prove. Yeah. The next thing I want to prove is that you can have a baby and go back and do it because a lot of people at the, especially women, I mean, majority of women, yeah. because we're who are having the babies, yeah. we're who fallen out. So after they fall out, they kind of stop mm-hmm. or um, they're not in the same position where they're able to make it work, where their spouse yeah. isn't able to go with them yeah. and various opportunities that I do have. I want to show that you can do this and be at the top of your game again. That's what's getting me out of bed is there for about six months. I thought, oh, I know what they're talking about. Like, this is really hard. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I was like, okay, it's time for me to scratch and claw back to the top mm-hmm. and get out of bed and look out in that barn and be like, okay, baby flow, you're retired. Mm-hmm. That chapter's over. You're old news. Love you. Thank you so much for that chapter. We're going to make sure you're comfortable. We're going to do a lot mm-hmm. of things, but now it's time to look over here and lose a little bit. Mm. Let's go lose until I can get back to winning. You got to go eat a little crow. Yep. You got to eat some time. humble pie. Yep. That's right. That's exactly like I got a guy that's been helping me a bunch in the cow horse. His name's Ty Benson. He's fucking half my age for Christ's sake. And he's a damn good trainer and a damn good cow horse trainer. And he's been helping me when I go in to do the fence work and the boxing. I, I, I get too excited. I box the cow for like three fucking things and I'm down the fence, motherfucker. Yeah. Like I just get too, I get overexcited. So I told him at the last horse show, I said, I want you standing there in the corner and I want you to coach me. Tell me when to go down the fence, how long to work the cow. And he said, but people will hear me coaching you. Are you all right with that? I said, motherfucker, I want to oh, win. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care that Flash you're half, me. I don't care that you're <laughs> half my age coaching me how to do this. You know how to fucking do it. I don't. I need a coach. So I don't care that Clinton Anderson's getting a guy half his age telling him, box longer, stay there longer, work the cow longer, rate the cow better, go down the fence, sit back. I, I can humble myself real quick because that's how you get to the top Absolutely. is put your ego on the fucking, on the sidewalk. You get what I'm trying to Every say? Every top person has a coach. That's exactly. When Every Tiger Woods was winning at his best. Got a coach. He had a coach. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a coach to the day I die. Right. Because they look at things that you can't see. They look at things that for whatever reason we have tunnel vision. That's their job. Absolutely. You know, in this particular guy's case, he can actually kick my ass as well. But my point is, he can coach really well as well. Because at some point, people look at you and they go, we don't want to offend you. Uh, You know, you've won so much. You've done so well. And, you know, or I'm making a lot of money off the paycheck. I don't want to tell you anything wrong. I don't want yes men. Right. I I use a guy called Bob Avalo, a great fucking horse trainer, won 30 world championships. I hire him. Tells me where I'm fucking up. Tells me where I'm being stupid. One of the greatest things he said to me about I didn't want to go down the fence, I was I was reluctant to go down the fence because as a rainer, I want everything to be perfect. Right. And in this cow horse event, you got to kind of cowboy up a little bit, motherfucker, and just go with it. And I'm so rainerish, like head down, straight, collected, left lead, only do what I fucking tell you. That won't work going down the fence. you got to cowboy up and fucking just go down the fence and do it. And one day Bob looked at me and he said, stop being a fucking pussy. Stop being a rainer pussy. Grow a set of nuts, take a shot of fucking Vagisil, and get the fuck on with it. And that's what I needed. He made me mad. That's what made, I needed that insult to stop me being such a right. pussy and just fucking man up and go down the fence and stop being so structured yep. and so correct. You, you get what I'm trying to say? My dad this? always says, hey, quit what you're doing because you're just trying not to lose. Yeah. You got to try to win. Yeah. If you're just trying not to lose, go home. Yeah, that's exactly right. 
Well, Fallon, I'm so glad you came on. Thank you so much for doing Thank it. Thank you. I'm so glad we got to meet here. I have a lot of respect for you, a Thank lot of admiration. So I think a lot of people will enjoy your life story and what you've done. And Thank I'm you. hoping the whole point of this fucking podcast was when people hear it, they get motivated in life. They want to go kick somebody's ass. They want to go make some fucking money. They want to better their fucking lives. That's, that's what I'm hoping people will get from your story. I, I want to go too. home and ride a fucking horse now. I'm half fucked up. But I want to go <laughs> home and ride a horse now. Because that's the energy I'm getting from you. Good. And that's what I like. That's what I want people to walk I away. hope that people hear this and they hear Shania Twain singing Let's Go Girls and want to kick down their front door with a pair of red bottoms and go out and do something great. I love it. I'm proud of you. Cheers. <laughs> Today's episode was filmed at and produced by Intercut Productions, marketing by Stuart and Associates, and organized and administrated by Down Under Horsemanship. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button, and I'll see you next time, mate. Cheers.